This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there, I'm Malak Fuad, and you're listening to the final episode of this season of What I Did Next from ANT Media. My guests on the show are leaders in their fields from across the Middle East, and our conversations revolve around their life's pivot points. We all have those pivots in life. Some are hard, some happen without you knowing, and some are magical, taking you into a whole new direction. I'm joined on the show today by a powerhouse businesswoman and a phenomenal role model, Naveen Al-Tahri. Naveen is a towering figure in the banking and business community in Egypt. She's the first woman to sit on the board of both the Egyptian Stock Exchange and the Egyptian Financial Supervisory Authority. More recently, she's been associated with the world of entrepreneurship. As chairperson of Delta Shield, Naveen is enhancing growth and employment with a focus on youth, entrepreneurship and SME activities. Our conversation, though, did not just focus on her career. We chatted about marriage, religion and health. We're both cancer survivors, and there is a comfort in sharing stories from different times in our lives. We started out with a question I've enjoyed asking my guests this season. When was the last time Naveen did something for the first time? At first, I thought I couldn't answer them. But then uh, I remembered uh, a situation where uh, my daughter was, uh, she lives in Paris, and she's been living there for almost 13 or 14 years now. And it was uh, Easter, and she wanted to eat uh, smoked herring, ringa. And I thought, oh, my God, how will I ever do that? And I found myself uh, taking ringa. Making it from scratch. And taking it with me in my my <laughs> luggage <laughs> and kept thinking, oh, my God, if there are dogs that are going to be there or whatever. So this is the first time I ever really endeavored into doing something where I was extremely uncomfortable. But she did eat Ringa in Eastern and nobody actually told me anything. And there were no dogs at the airport. And there was nothing, <laughs> but I got it, and I got it inside. So it was really interesting. I know a lot more about your adulthood, your career, yeah. your public persona. Uh -huh. But tell me a little bit about your childhood. I had a very interesting childhood. I mean, my father was a diplomat. So basically, I spent most of my young, my young life as diplomats. Usually, you stay four years and then move, four years and then move. It was not the case in our case. In our case, uh, of my 17 years before coming here, uh, or 16 years, uh, I think I only came one year to Egypt. So basically, I spent all my childhood 
moving from one country to wow, the other. Wow, I didn't realize. Where uh, were you? Um, yani, uh, our first post where I was a baby was in Panama. And then from Panama to Lebanon, from Lebanon to Finland, from Finland to England. Wow. And so it's so interesting because everybody who asks me, um, how do you get your entrepreneurial, yeah. um, uh, yani, it's my character. And I always say, although my father was a, 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 was a, yani, a typical Muazzaf. Yani, he was a diplomat. A, and yet they usually sent him to every place that was new to open. And so... To a great extent, I always think of him as an entrepreneur, but on the diplomatic side yeah. and on the political side, a as opposed to... A pioneer as well, very as much. A, uh, as opposed to being from the business yes. side. So I may have, I always think... But, that... but again, it could have also been because at that time in Egypt, the business life was a very different situation. Very, very. If he wanted to channel any of his ambitions, that was a very natural way, it was a diplomacy way. No, I mean, I, mean I, I don't think he would have ever been a good businessman, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't exist at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you came to Egypt, as you said, 17? As a youngster, one of the things that I always, I always say, uh, built a lot of my character and my sisters, I'm, I'm one of three girls and I'm the eldest. And it's uh, every summer, my dad, we only had six weeks of, uh, of holidays, and he would insist that we work. And I could never, as a youngster, understand why you would work. So one at one time, I was an assistant librarian. At another time, I would be uh, uh, distributing the newspapers. And is this in Egypt? No. When you were away? I was always away. Yeah. And then we would come for two weeks uh, to Egypt. And it's very interesting because he would take us, so we come from the countryside, my father, and his family is there. So I would go to uh, two places. I would go to Munteza and to the countryside. The one thing I really learned very much from this pop, up and down, up and down, uh, I went to eight schools in my life. That's a so lot. It's, it's a lot of yeah. schools. Is I can just, I feel comfortable sitting with anyone. Yeah? And if I'm, I don't have this. Um, You're adaptable. But it's not necessarily because of the fact that you traveled everywhere, although this has a lot to do with it. It's also your character. Because I know children of diplomats who are shy and reserved and maybe didn't feel as comfortable in that, but it's clearly also your character. Oh, one thing I say that, but being honest with you, I always feel out of place. Oh. And unlike what I, what I am. You don't seem to feel like that. Exactly. And it's a very strange thing. In what sense? Uh, example, when I'm in any, I'm invited anywhere. You know that we are typically the women sit together and the men sit together. And I've always been in a man's world. I've never been in a, in, a, in a woman's world. And yet I'm so uncomfortable. And then I sit with the men. I mean, why? Mm, because mm. I don't want to be seen that I am not part of the women. And so, yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation. It's, not that I'm uncomfortable, but it's just that I'm never in a place where I'm a hundred percent, except with my family. Yani, uh, I think that's the only happy, comfortable place. Yeah. Which I, I think this is also a generational thing, Naveen, because I think women who are younger—I'm a bit younger than you—women who are younger than me, I don't think there are these barriers so much anymore in terms of women in the workplace especially yeah there there isn't the sense of um the only woman in the room 
Yes. You know? Yes. It's it's these things are are changing. Yes. And in the Middle East very much and very Absolutely. rapidly. I mean I I know I for my my and myself, yes. Yani, when I started hiring people, I was hiring women. Yeah. Why? Because the industry does not hire them and all and I know what women are capable of. I know yeah. they're multitaskers, dedicated. Yeah. It's not about the time management as much as that. absolutely time management <laughs> unbelievable but if you are not one yeah. and understand uh, yani I have been lucky because I brought women into the, the 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 workforce on the stock exchange and I makes me so and wherever I am on a board I make sure that I have more women mm. that come in and to replace yeah. me yeah. when I'm on done why because we i mean we have to we have yeah, to yeah we have to otherwise we're not going to yeah. be given that chance and and, yeah. and i find myself being asked to go to so many i say can i recommend someone because i know a lot of yeah. uh, women who are so clever mm, they mm, mm. don't uh, they don't have the, they don't have the chance yeah, uh, yeah. They, they, i mean they're not there being told come and sit so i uh, this is whereby i can play a role absolutely so you graduated from University of Cairo and then you went into finance right away you went into banking in, in 1981 ah, okay and uh, the first bank that had opened was Chase National Bank which is Chase Manhattan with uh, MBE and uh, when I went in I wanted to be in the credit department because that's what I know yeah and I was offered a teller's job wow so really? I started off as a teller so you've done everything in every bank Absolutely. then you know the whole way <laughs> so that's I, that's wonderful though it is unbelievable yeah. i think when you understand the bottom yeah. of it and you work your way up the amount of knowledge you get is beyond you know Naveen, i think we all i mean if you're lucky you start that way yeah because i was lucky enough also to do lots of menial work when i started out and today's generation don't, don't want to do no. this they, they want to come in as managers as yeah. ceos exactly <laughs> and i'm thinking how you know you have to understand the the foundation and that foundation it, it i mean it's uh, throughout your career you're going to link it back exactly. to something that you learn exactly otherwise you are very superficial because you have taken the and and i very much respect family businesses when they do not put their businesses their kids directly into the positions of board members or whatever but having them work and then they work Definitely. their way up it makes such a it big difference. A difference absolutely so you knew from an early age that you wanted to be in the business and financial sector did you get married around the same time my husband was my uh, boyfriend from uh, college from college and then uh, I got engaged uh, right after I finished and then uh, I was married. I mean, I, I was married immediately in 1981. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I started the job in 1980. So it was immediately after. And uh, had my, uh, my daughter was three months when I started the credit course. And I remember it's a very tough credit course. We were 32 people who entered. Only 17 of us were... Uh, How long was the course? uh almost six months wow very intense in, in every single time we had uh, a test you had to get 70 percent and i remember uh it, it was the last credit course uh, cc5 remember <laughs> these are obviously formative absolutely it was very formative for you 
You remember the details. They, he would say, uh, if Nivin did the homework, then everybody should have done That's it. That's true. The, my, my daughter was three yeah, months old, yeah, so yeah. you can imagine. Yeah, and yeah. I never had a, a, a living mate, ever. Wow, Naveen, that's a, ever. very impressive. And what was your family's reaction to you juggling all this? Your mother, your mother-in-law, were they supportive? Did my, they understand it? My mother-in-law was very instrumental, honestly. I think it, if, if it hadn't been for her, may, may she rest in peace, I don't think I would have probably been able to because I would uh, go in the morning with uh, my daughter uh, you know, in her basket. She would actually be downstairs, take the basket, but I had to be home at four. Uh, and I think that's, uh, and then we, even when she went, when uh, we, we went to uh, the kindergarten at the age of two and it was exactly the same. So I, I mean, I, but as you say, it's uh, time management, time management. It's all about time management. Yeah, yeah. And you sacrifice certain things. You probably had no social life, but Absolutely. you know, you can't have everything. You know, there are priorities and you know, that's what's important. Yeah. So what was next for you after that? So you carried on working at uh, the bank for a while. After the credit course? Yes, I, you stayed on. No, I actually resigned because I wanted a higher salary. And they would not give me the higher salary, which was the wrong thing to do. So you ended up <laughs> asking in the end. Uh, I asked yeah. because all my colleagues were at a, cer at a certain grade and with certain salary, but they had not started in the operations department. Uh, there was always a reason why you shouldn't be getting it. And so I, uh, I, when I said no, uh, I actually resigned, went to Bank of America's joint venture for a year. Uh, I was hired at three times my salary, um, promoted twice in a year, but then I wasn't learning. So when CIB then. So you went back. They offered me the same, like my colleagues and everything. Yeah. And I went back because learning environment is a very important environment. When we come back, we'll get into how Naveen pivoted towards entrepreneurship. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. For example, actor and comedian Rami Youssef told me about his thoughts on cancel culture, and ex-anchor and now author Hala Gorani told me her thoughts on the future of journalism. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Malak Fuad, and you're listening to What I Did Next, and this is my conversation with Naveen Tahri. I think you were you became more known to the wider uh, society. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. What what was that shift like for you? Um, this is clearly a big shift in your life. Um, how did it? How did things change for you work-wise after this? Well, it was very interesting. Yeah, you think that when you have your own company, you work less. It's absolutely the opposite. And uh, all of a sudden, you're responsible for other people. And, uh, and you realize that uh, you are the bread maker of those people. So you have much more commitment. 
there's a lot of pressure on you. Oh my God, it's it's unbelievable. And and so when I started um, being being in um, uh, I, because I come from a financial background, the capital requirement of these companies did not match what I would call the right thing. So I decided I would I wanted uh, to partner with an institution that would give me the backing that I think is needed. So I actually went to my bank, CIB, mm -hmm. Adil Laban, and I said, uh, I want uh, a partner. And at the time, Adil said, here's a check. Just tell me how much you want and we'll buy you out. I said, but I don't want to buy and out. So he said, you, you have wanted to work together. Yeah. Yeah. A partnership. Yeah. yeah. And, but he wanted, I mean, what he offered was a buyout and you have to, until tomorrow to decide. <laughs> so I go down, I call a friend of mine at Egyptian American Bank, which is today uh, a different, a credit mm. agricole. And I uh, call him and I say, um, uh, this was um, Bank of America, a partner. I said, it was the second largest at the time. Uh, can I have uh, an appointment with your managing director? His name was Gary Jones, and I remember. And he said, come immediately. So I walk same day into Egyptian American Bank, offer him what I'm doing, what I want to do, and I become the partner. So having you hit what I what made me strong is I hid behind the name of an institution. Mm. So Delta became mm. Delta EAB. And this is my, uh, the sequence I went through. But it's not hiding. It's, 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 it's combining your know-how with uh, maybe uh, just access to more resources. Actually, I did not have much access. As I, That very first partnership did not have much access, mm. but I thought I had. I mean, uh, they were, they, I think they had 21 branches, which was the, the most number yeah. anybody had. Not one single transaction went through these branches, but I actually was the first to create the infrastructure of uh, the uh, uh, one-stop shop, more or less, because uh, they had uh, I had all these branches. So the FRA, uh, the Financial Regulatory Authority at the time, built their system based on oh, what it is. How so I uh, so I was very. I was always at a very early stage yeah, yeah. than the market, which building part of what the... So they were catching up with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's very interesting because that's what the foreign partnership brought in. You're clearly uh, uh, someone who has had a lot of firsts. So you were the first woman on the stock exchange. And now are you, you're also on the boards now of a lot of other companies that you're not directly running. Um, yes. What is most satisfying for you, the, the work you're doing in terms of the entrepreneurial that's under your name, or also being on boards where you can have an input in maybe an industry that you're not as involved in? I, I, I mean, being on board started because I'm always seen as an, uh, I have investment know-how. Yes. So usually that I would be put on boards and then came that you also are a woman. so. It also gives the diversity sure, within the board. Sure. But I think what I like most is anything to do with youth. And in my, my heart and my, on the personal side yeah. is helping young people create their own companies or build more or whatever. And the other thing that I really like is always the, um, uh, what I can do for the country. 
So even on the entrepreneurial side, it was after a revolution that I started to create. I didn't even know that's venture capital. Yani, mm, yani, mm. Even the names, the terminology. I chose, the terminology comes in after I start. So I was working with small and medium enterprises before I got to know what SMEs are. Uh, entrepreneurship before I know what entrepreneurship means. So it's always out of um, of passion to work with uh, young people and young companies. Is it always Egypt-based? It's always been Egypt-based. Always been Egypt-based. I've been uh, on the Juriba of Cartier Women Initiative, on MIT, uh, uh, Arab. I've been exposed as somebody who yeah. uh, judges but my own investments and, have and your expertise is homegrown. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yani, taban, I, I have a lot of foreign exposure because I was partner of AB Namro. So I was sitting as the uh, country representative of AB Namro and then a, a Royal Bank of Scotland. So I always, mm, I also mm. have this international uh, exposure. I wanted to turn to a couple of uh, personal things um, and we can talk about it in whatever order you prefer. Um, I wanted to talk about um, your, your recent divorce, if you're happy to do that. And then I'd like to talk about a little bit about religion, because when I met you, you yes. were veiled. Yes. And then I saw you a year ago and I didn't recognize you at first. I'm curious to know Bardu, what happened there? And finally, something you and I both share is uh, is cancer. Yes. So I wanted also to talk about that. I'll let you decide the order that you would like to talk about it and how much you want to talk about okay, it. I'll talk about religion. Okay. Okay. Uh, as as I, I told you earlier, when I came back from uh, abroad, uh, I come from a diplomatic family. Uh, so... We had wine on the table and everything, and then to learn Arabic, I was, I'm the eldest, so I was given the sheikh. My two other sisters were given just a teacher. And so I learned Arabic through the Quran. And I'm damn sure that there must have been a lot of uh, things that was given to me from the sheikh in my mind. So at a very young age, when I was that young, I was 17 or 18, uh, I was, I wanted to go and I, I wanted to be veiled. And my father said, no, darling, not in my home. Mm, mm, mm. Nobody had ever been veiled. I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, the early uh, The mid-70s. Mid yeah. And he said, no, 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 no. And I, I said, but what do you want? I said, okay, I'll go and to pilgrimage. He said, fine, that we can do. Yeah. And it was very interesting because he sent me my mother and all my four grandparents because of that. And I think I still remembered it till the day because he had a, pr a privileged job at the time, uh, working with um, Saudi, uh, a a handling something that's uh, bottom on politics. And so we were given an and the VIP treatment. Oh my God! In Mecca. Yeah, and we I went inside uh, the. Uh, Haram al Nabawi at the Nab at uh, Nabi Sallallahu grave. Uh, went inside the Kaaba, and I mean, we were wow. given something yeah. that nobody, no could one gets have. access to. And uh, and so uh, after that, it was very clear that no, no, no. Uh, he was anti. Uh, 
Absolutely. But you were more convinced. I mean, I probably was very convinced because growing up from there, I always bought, brought scarves. I was damn sure I brought scarves. Until when was it when Khaled, uh, they started talking a lot about uh, the, the, the hijab and the... And and then I started thinking, you know what, I'm not convinced. And I never was convinced, no? which is very interesting because I do tell everybody, even when I started and I'm not convinced. And yet, just in case it's the right thing to do, I will do. So it was it was like an insurance policy. And if you and if you <laughs> see me, I and I I am very open. Yeah. They all my my sisters, not, nobody else. And I remember. When I talked uh, to my sister, she said uh, on the phone, she said, uh, is this peer pressure? I said, no. She said, you're actually going to uh, put a veil on? I said, yes. Why? I'm not sure, but I'm going to put the veil on. And so it was a very tough decision. It took me many years, by the way, to decide. To make the decision. Absolutely. Uh, why? Because I know that had it been a must, it would have been much more evident in a lot of our readings, but it isn't. Mm. And yet the whole talk was, and it's, it has to be. So, yeah. so just in case you are uh, in the wrong, I, I, I did put the veil on. And uh, at the time I asked my husband, do you mind? He said, it's something that you decide, not I decide. And uh, Dina by my daughter. Will I have to do that? No, you don't have How to. How old was she then when you I decided? I think she was probably 12. Oh, she was quite uh, yeah. very aware of what you And did. I had just partnered with a new Dutch bank, and I was so worried that they would ask me. Mm. But they never, they never did. I mean, this is what I love about foreigners. Mm. Is they take you as you are. Yeah, they do. Uh, they, they don't no. actually question you. And they don't understand the society anyway. So for them... Uh, they take you as you are, as you said. But then they would ask me after they get to know me a little, Levine, what is the veil? And I say, it's just, Annie, uh, our religion says so and so, and uh, I'm not sure if it's right or if it's wrong, but I want, I'm happy doing it. But it's interesting that you were always questioning it. You were I, never I, sure. No, no, I was damn sure it, it's not. Yeah. I was, but yet, uh, we have a saying, Istafti Qalbak. Uh, and uh, and so why did I take it off? Uh, I think there was a time when the Ikhwan came into mm. o into office yeah. where I was definitely going to take it off because they were enforcing it. And the way that they treated women, I was definitely going to take it off. And then they left. They left quickly, yeah. And when they left, I continued uh, in having it and... When I turned 60, I, I mean, no, no, before that, I remember I was in Paris when the Bataclan happened. And uh, I live in the CZM, which is very uh, old, upper class. Yeah. And, uh, and it was my daughter's birthday. Uh, this was the 13th of November, and her birthday is 15th of November. And uh, everything closed down. And I remember going, the only shop that was open was uh, uh, the, the flower shop. And I go in, and then the lady tells me, uh, C'est très difficile maintenant pour vous comme ça. Wow. Very difficult yeah. for you like yeah. that. And I said, oh my God. So I took it off. And you took it off that day? That, no, but I took it off there. Ah. And, and, and I said, you know what? I'm in their country. Uh, I, they should be comfortable. I'm here as an 
يعني visitor and so every time I went to Paris after that I would not have my veil on and every time my kids would say take it off and it was very difficult it's very difficult it sounds to me like there was a lot of indecision and you were doing it in phases almost it was and probably one of the reasons when they asked me why I kept saying uh, consistency I mean I, 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 I happen to be like a role model to a lot of the young people especially women and so I felt as though I'm letting them down but it's not like I mean But do you still think that? I actually don't think that for one reason. is When I turn 60, mm. I'm, I'm, I'll be 64 in a couple of days. And I remember Al-Qawaid. Uh, um, and they kept telling me, you're no more, you're Al-Qawaid, Al-Qawaid. And so whenever even I see them, I say I'm Al-Qawaid. So I'm giving myself a reason to tell those that would be, have looked up to you looking like that yeah and especially that uh you look much nicer yani in hard i probably look much nicer than with the veil yani you're much more elegant you look younger you look a lot younger naveen absolutely yeah. yani but you know it's such a personal choice and, and no one can comment on it except for you i remember my mom uh, she was never veiled mm. and uh, i would be talking to her on the phone and say mommy mommy i have to leave because i'm going to a wedding She'd say, And so this is how my family took it. Come in, yani they were never. They were never in, in favor. Ever yeah, in favor. Yeah. And yet I was. And yet you did it. Yeah. For how many years? More than 20. The veil doesn't define you, doesn't define how you approach religion. No. It doesn't define your belief in God. It doesn't define no, no, your all. connection to God. No, no. And I'm very connected. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very, and I'm very happy. Yani, I have this calmness, I think, mm, coming mm. from that religion. Is, uh, I, uh, I, I truly believe and everything is his doing. And I do my best and I will be a very good uh, citizen and a very good everything. And which is what religion is. Yeah. Fa'ana, I'm very close in, in, in terms of being religious. Yeah. Yani my prayers are yes. exactly, my, everything yes. is fine. Yes. And so it does not need you to cover. No, in, in it order to. Plus, honestly, honestly, religion is between you and in him. It really is. It has nobody else to come no in No intermediary with. is necessary. When we return from the break, you'll find out why Naveen calls herself someone who is beyond words or explanation. That's coming up next. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. For example, you can find out more about the screenwriting process with acclaimed filmmaker Mo Hevzi, or about the luxury design industry with Monez and Ayad Raouf, the sisters behind Ukhtin. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. Welcome again. I'm Malak Fouad and you're listening to What I Did Next and this is my conversation with Naveen Al-Tahri. What was the feeling when you finally decided to not wear it at all, What, either in Paris or here? 
How did it? How did it make you feel? Yeah, but, uh, I'm, I'm, we're very honest here, okay? Yes. I still feel I wear it because I wear a wig. Okay. But I actually feel as though I'm still hiding. Yeah. And why do I feel I'm still hiding? I probably don't have a minute to go to the hairdresser. Are you wearing a wig because of chemotherapy? No. Okay. Uh, never, never, I never lost my hair. Oh. Uh, alhamdulillah. But I have very black hair. Okay. I don't have a, one single white hair. You're very lucky. I, I have know. only white hair. I know. <laughs> and my hair is not that bad. Huh. And so my grandson last week was telling me, Nivin, why do you wear a wig? And I said, because I don't have time to go to the hairdresser. And I actually feel it's a... For Anna, so it's for a similar feeling in a way. Absolutely. Because you feel camouflaged. Absolutely. And is that... Are you going to continue doing that? Yeah. I mean, I look much prettier than my hair. But what, what, why? Why can't you just leave your hair? Because I'm not going to go to the hairdresser. I know but myself. But why do you need to go to the hairdresser? Then my hair is not that nice. But you can, you can have a hairstyle that doesn't need a lot of hair. You know, I don't go to the hairdresser. Lepas, uh, you have beautiful but hair. But I do my hair myself. Lepas, Anna, Anna, you can't imagine. Anna... I'm somebody beyond words. <laughs> Lala, beyond. <laughs> I so am honestly and truly a malak. I work 24 hours. I don't, I, even when I'm sleeping, I'm working. You're thinking about it. And I have a paper next to me to write what it is. So it's just. It's consuming you. It's consuming and I'm, I'm happily consumed. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, that I'm yeah, unhappy. Yeah. Plus, I'll never have that thicker hair anyway. And. If it looks nice and it's fashionable, recently. I would never have known. And I've worn wigs, by the way. Anna, I, I honestly enjoy. Yeah. Yani, if anybody sees it, yeah. Well, I have two extras if you need. <laughs> <laughs> I have different styles. And I want to tell you, when, when uh, every time I went, and my kids would uh, really please, please. So I would go buy a wig. Yeah. And I come back and I don't take it off. Anything. Anything. And so the last time when I said, I will do it, I will do it, which they did not believe, I bought three weeks exactly the same so that I don't change yeah, the... Yeah, the uh, look doesn't change. And this was only a couple of months yeah, ago, by yeah. the way. So you feel still that you have the protection yeah. of being covered. Yes. Do you think you'll ever not wear this? Yeah, and I don't wear it when I'm at home uh, opening for... I mean, I... I've always been uh, I've always been in a, a ponytail so I feel comfortable being in a ponytail and if I, it's okay mm, mm. I don't know probably will and then comes uh, the, the the marriage now I was married to my sweetheart and I had this unbelievable belief that uh, my, 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 my parents divorced after 25 years of marriage and each went separate ways in a, in a different marriage. And his parents had a similar, but his mother never uh, never married or anything. Um, and on the contrary, his mother was my, honestly, like more mo to, mother to me than anything, Annie. Uh, I don't know what happened, honestly. I, Annie, it was a very, um, very sad. And uh, I think he thought that I would be like his mother. I would never ask for a divorce. Uh, and I always showed I was weaker. Yani, why? Because I'm very strong mm. and very capable mm. and very independent. But you didn't I want always, to show that in your marriage. And, and throughout my marriage, I was dependent. Please do this. On purpose. 
on purpose. That's women. Absolutely. You're uh, one way in the office and you're one way at home. Absolutely. It's crazy. And, and I remember when uh, Dina came to do her stage uh, at the company, uh, her uh, 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 training intern, and she was quite young. And she came back and said, Mommy, everybody's scared of you. How are they scared of you? Why are they scared of you? And, uh, and, 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 and it just shows you that they never believe that this is the same person yeah, at home. That's at home. And so I don't know. I don't know what, mm, mm, I don't know how to explain it. And you were married for how long? Uh, I got a divorce in 2021 and uh, I had been separated for seven years, but I never even told anybody I was separated, even that. Mm, mm, mm. And I think that's where cancer came. Hmm. Interesting. Because I didn't tell a soul. And you kept it inside. And I kept it inside. Hmm. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but a lot of they people say, say so. A lot of stress yeah. can cause. Uh... So it was all inside, and I didn't even tell my sisters, and yeah, to that extent. And uh, he was very kind uh, to. He's a very proper person, mm -hmm. and this is one of the very strange things. And he's uh, he's extremely proper, yeah, and he, uh, uh, and to me, it's just a myth why he would. Uh, go have another wife and that's when i separated wow I said, what was that like for you did your world shatter yes it shattered yeah and i think since then yani a lot of uh, the no confidence that you don't show outside yeah. you sh is inside so uh when i asked for the divorce uh i don't think he believed that i really wanted a divorce because i'm not his mom yani who stayed uh... but you know there are so many women who have this has happened to and they've accepted it absolutely but that's exactly why i mean i think uh the interesting part is i got a divorce and i have not spoken to him since oh really can you imagine that must have been very difficult Typical my character. You close, you close, you close the, the door and that was it. And that's it. I don't want to. Any, and there's no reason for me to. Any, um... Your children are older. Oh. You don't need to share parenting anymore. That area is finished. Naveen, this is a, this is a lot to, to manage. But I got cancer in 2017, which was very strange how I got to know. But you got sick. I got sick during the separation then yes before the divorce and he's always been my friend and he's somebody I've known since I was 17 so you can imagine of yani. course and to my sisters and I did not tell my family because to them he's the boy that they have and he is the older brother for absolutely. them absolutely you're the eldest girl and he's exactly. like their brother so I put this all into so only my kids knew and um any compl other complications mm, uh, mm. don't go through. Yeah. Uh, I think in, tw in 2017, I went to stay with my daughter because she had the paper to, to submit. And your daughter's an academic now, right? Yeah. And, uh, and to sit with uh, her, her son and everything. And every day we go out. She says, Naveen, you're not well. And I say, it's, my husband says, it's because I, of my weight. Mm. By the end of the three weeks, she said, Naveen, no, there's something wrong. She said, we'll go to the doctor. I said, I'm in France. I don't speak French. Let's go to London. I can speak the language and see a doctor there called one of my... Did you feel anything? Nothing. Nothing. At all. At all. 
And uh, and so I remember we went to this doctor. We went to everybody. Your legs, your weight, your everything. And then uh, came back to Paris and uh, on my way to Cairo, I get this call from the doctor. Madame Nevin, how are you on your two feet? Wow. And I said, uh, your hemoglobin is 6.5. I said, what does that mean? He said, you're bleeding. Where are you bleeding from? I said, I don't know. I'm not bleeding. He said, you have to do an endoscopy now. Hmm. My husband is an, an, a, a, one of specialization, endoscopy. I said, fine. So the second day I came, I did the endoscopy. And so it's cancer. Colon cancer, third grade. Third grade, yeah. So I go to Paris uh, because I had uh, when I when I lost my I lost my mother in two thousand. I I lost her while I was there, and I think she died uh, worried that I would. Uh, she knew already that there were issues. I did not. Uh, la la la. Never. Uh, nobody. But uh, both my 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 father died two thousand fifteen. My mother two thousand seventeen. Then none of them knew. And uh, but I did not tell her that I had cancer because she had cancer before me for uh, 10 years but when she got to know that i'm in hospital to do uh, she died uh, uh, while i was there so i did not uh, i did not see her wow Naveen. Uh, that's never been a closed chapter no it never would be no that's a very difficult thing to endure uh that's how my daughter was mm. the reason so I, she she noticed before you was did her you know, if it hadn't been, I keep saying, yeah. telling her, I'm here because She's of you. She's your angel. <laughs> In my case, it was very different because I How was, was I was pregnant. Yeah, I was pregnant with my second son, and I uh, put on no weight in my pregnancy. When I delivered my second son, um, I was very weak. Both were by cesarean, but I was given a blood transfusion with the second delivery, and I went home, and we thought everything was okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, seven weeks later, I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I had lost seven kilos in seven weeks, and I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't, obviously, I couldn't breastfeed. I couldn't look after him. Because it was breast cancer. No, it was lymphoma. It was oh my God, Hodgkin's. It's even worse. Oh, my God. Well, you know, actually, Naveen, uh, they say what I had was actually the better of the options, Yani. I think colon cancer is better. I don't know. We may, I, yeah, I mean, mostly that's all crap. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's not fight over who, who had the better cancer. <laughs> it's all awful. But luckily, the reason I think I was diagnosed so quickly was because I had just had the baby. Oh. I was still in the hospital environment. Yes. I was still going into the hospital regularly and that my doctor became one of our best friends. Oh. And my mother called him and she said, you have to check her back in. There's something not right. So I went back in and they did a whole bunch of tests. My God. And it was only then that it was discovered because when you're pregnant, you can't do x-rays. Ah. So it was found and luckily dealt with quickly. Luckily. So you took uh, chemo? I did chemo for six months. But it's very, and it's traumatic for everyone because, it, you know, in, in my situation, I was so young. I was 34. Oh, my God. And two very small children. And for me, it took me a good, I would say, you know, now when I look back on it, I think it took me 10 years wow. to mentally get over it. Um, I think because I was so young. Probably. And it made me feel like my life got stopped. Yes. 
Just stop. And the thing is, because you also have very young children, and it's very young children, you have a lot of responsibility yeah. that you have to take. And the... fear. Oh my God. I started fearing that I wouldn't be around for them. Uh, all sorts of things, yeah. you know. And on the contrary, probably, uh, I, I, it's as though when they told me cancer, nothing. Until today, they, they, they make fun of me. Yeah. And uh, you seem to be the only person who listens to these things. I say, you know what? We have excellent healthcare that I would have never imagined. I had only done my international healthcare a year earlier. Imagine. I was lucky because I saw what happened to my father, and I had decided I will do my international yeah. one. And, and, and you know what? I really think, uh, as they told us in hospital, 50% mm. of your uh, health comes from you believing that you're going to be okay. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I also think that when you're actually doing whatever treatment is required, that you've put yourself in a situation where you are going to be able to um, be good for your, good to yourself. It's you being comfortable exactly. with the whole circumstances. Exactly. These are very hard circumstances yeah. to deal yeah. with. For you don't want an external pressure yeah. that would put you into more exactly. difficulty. But and I think so, it's so interesting that you are saying that you were you were almost at peace with the with the absolutely. Thing. I just interviewed Tariq Noor. And he also had um, a pretty intense cancer. And he said, just like you, he said, when I was given the diagnosis, I was fine with it. And I carried on with my life. Nothing changed. Absolutely. And I think, you know, also, I think when you, first of all, when you're of a certain age, yes. and when you've done your life the way you've wanted. Absolutely. It makes a difference. Absolutely. And you know what? Even, you know, Malak, because I stayed in France, for almost seven months while I was uh, being uh, yani, the whole uh, time. It was the first time I sat with Dina mm. and her kid. Uh, otherwise, I just go for a weekend and I run. Even yeah. the seven months meant a lot to me, seeing my grandkids Absolutely. grow. My final question, do you want to live differently based on that experience? Do you want to slow down? Do you want to spend more time with your grandchildren? How do you see that uh, okay. happening? Okay, one, I think I'm. Uh, I don't think I'll ever stop working. Uh, I'm now doing two things that I really love, other than my own thing, which I'm not doing well. My own thing, uh, but I'm doing. Uh, I'm in Parliament, and I was appointed in Parliament. So uh, all of a sudden, there's this responsibility that I've been put in this place and in the Economic Committee. It's very prestigious. And as well. I have a lot of knowledge so diverse that I think I could do something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I will or I'm not, sure but you I can. will. And the other thing is I'm on the Sovereign Fund of Egypt yeah. and I am on the Investment Committee. This gives me also because you are investing for the future generations, which as I told you, the generations yeah. are what I care yeah. about. So these two jobs, I am so... You're very invested in them. Absolutely. And the only other thing is, I would love to go and stay in France with my kids. Naveen, I'm so excited that you are La, with La. me on the show. What a <laughs> fabulous you. conversation. La, 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 the pleasure is mine. Really and thank you it. for having me. Thank you for joining
joining me today. If you've enjoyed hearing Naveen's story, we'll have a bonus episode for members out next week. You can sign up today at Apple Podcasts for a free trial, and you'll get access to our bonus episodes from this season. This episode of What I Did Next was brought to you by ANT Media with me, Malak Fuad, and is co-produced by Shirag Desai. You can follow us on social media for video snippets from our interviews and other updates. Just search for What I Did Next on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'd be grateful if you could take a minute to leave us a review of the show in your favorite podcast player. We'll be back again next week where Shirag and I take a look back at the best of the season and we take a quick peek into what's coming up in season five next year. Don't miss it.